Many candidates walk into an interview room and they treat it like a legal deposition. They're there to answer questions. They're passive. Instead, you need to take charge. Now, that doesn't mean you run the interview right from the start. You understand the process and you respect it, but you will have an opportunity to ask questions. Interviews are some of the most critical business meetings in our work lives. As if they weren't already daunting, the pandemic has made them even more so. The first episode of season 5 is here to help you through the anxiety of interviews. Whether you've recently lost a job, quit your job, or are simply looking for a change. So the next time you're asked, tell me about yourself, you'll mean business. Hi and welcome to season 5 of Habits Matter. I'm your host Shreya Singh, founder and CEO of Harappa Education. In this episode, we get two talent experts to tell us how to prep for behavioral interviews, how words could alter your outcome, and surprising tips to stand out from competition. Stay till the end for bonus tips on how to fine tune your resume as well. Keep listening. Hello, I'm Mac Pritchard. I'm the founder and CEO of maxlist.org. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. In my free time, I enjoy reading, watching old movies, and cycling. Behavioral interview questions are a technique that hiring managers use to draw out actual experience that a candidate has had in solving a problem. So in an interview, if you are hiring someone and you ask them if they can do something, a candidate 99 out of 100 times will say, absolutely, I can do that. Trust me. But with a behavioral interview question, it's structured in a way to draw out an example of how a candidate has dealt with that problem. So the tip-off for a behavioral interview question is the phrase, tell me about a time when blank. And then there's a description of a problem. Tell me about a time when you disagreed with your boss and what happened then. That's an example of a behavioral interview question. They're very popular with hiring managers because hiring managers are hiring people to solve problems. And they want to find people who have solved the kinds of problems that the organization faces. Behavioral interview questions help your employer understand parts of you that your resume does not reveal. For example, do you work better in teams or individually? What's your communication style? How do you manage time? And how do you handle conflict? Answering these questions will tell your interviewer that you're ready for the new world of work, where soft skills make hard sense. When interviewing candidates, one of my favorite questions is, tell me about the most difficult feedback you've ever received at work. Why was it challenging and surprising? And what did you do with the feedback? This question helps me get a glimpse of how vulnerable someone is in their conversation with me, as well as how they constructively deal with inputs from the world to improve themselves as a professional. It's also a great question to test for reflection and listening skills. Here's an easy framework for Mac to get ready for thorny behavioral questions. So when you're responding to a behavioral interview question, you can use a technique called STAR. And that's an acronym. It stands for Situation, Task, Action, Result. Now, 
you want to talk about the situation you were in that is similar to the question that you've been asked, the task you were given, the action you took, and the result that it produced. And when you do that, you'll provide that example that the hiring manager is is, uh, looking for. STAR is the oldest trick in the book and a reliable one. It's a great technique if you want to go beyond your resume to tell a more complete story of the context and impact of your goals. You can use it as a guiding light to answer all kinds of questions, even more technical ones. Meet Eklavya, who explains how to use STAR with an example from his personal life. Hi everyone, I'm Eklavya and I'm a talent strategist with Accenture. I love quizzing, I love uh, reading books and uh, watching movies. In my college life in, in 1999, I was involved in an um, earthquake relief exercise. And at the same time, there was a massive earthquake in Chamoli district in, 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 in Uttar Pradesh back then, which had, which had got very little donations, right? And as college students, we felt very passionate about it. So we partnered with this NGO called Pravah. And we collectively wrote a street play. We went and performed that street play in multiple locations in Delhi, including Delhi Heart and India Gate and colleges and schools. And we collected money from, you know, in, you know people, you know, who were, who were just watching our street play. And then, you know, uh, I, along with two of my friends, were selected by the NGO to go to Chamoli and actually decide how should we spend that money and partner with some local NGOs and determine uh, what would be the best utilization of the funds that we collected. So I've talked about the situation. I've talked about what I did. And I also talked about what was the result. We were able to help, you know, almost 300, 400 villagers back then based on the funds that we had collected. As with anything important, you don't want to walk in unprepared. The only control we have is our own prep. In the days leading up to the big day, zero in on some highlights from your experience. Frame them as stories like the one Eklav has just shared and practice saying them out loud as much as you can. Of course, interviews at a case space will require a slightly different approach. Uh, for example, if, if I was a McKinsey interviewer and I were to ask you, how much time do you think India would take to vaccinate everyone uh, with COVID vaccine, right? Now, you may not know the right answer to that question, right? Uh, The trick is uh, whether you firstly understand the problem and define the problem correctly, right? Uh, So when we say vaccinate everyone, what do we mean? Are we talking about 18 plus? Are we talking about vulnerable population? Uh, Are we talking about government vaccinating everyone? Or are we talking about people, you know, opting for vaccination themselves? Uh, is it under the impression that is it under the assumption that uh, vaccination is mandatory? So there are all kinds of uh, you know um, questions that you should be asking to first frame the problem correctly, right? So that then you can go ahead and solve the problem. Your interviewer isn't really looking for that one right answer. In fact, you could be off by a pretty big margin. That doesn't matter. What's really being tested here is your ability to think critically. Are your assumptions methodical? Are your facts comprehensive? Do you reason logically? Sometimes your interviewer will surprise you with a question you don't expect at all. The dreaded curveball. Why are manhole covers round? 
Or, how would you fire me? When faced with a question like this, don't hit the panic button. You're simply being tested on your ability to remain calm, composed, and think on your feet. Eklavya tells us about a time he had to answer a question that made him very uncomfortable. On this passion for NGO, I remember uh, one organization um, heard my story very patiently. And then they said, we would like your, you to speak for two minutes on why NGOs are not useful at all. It should be government's role to do all the um, you know charity and essentially NGOs are ineffective, right? And I said, no, but I don't believe that. He's, and the interviewer said, that doesn't matter, you know. Can you speak for a minute on why NGOs may not be effective? And uh, again, it took me a few seconds to, you know, compose myself. And I realized that maybe interviewer was trying to see whether I can think of an issue from multiple perspectives. And here's another one that stumped him. I was interviewing with a consulting company. And the question was, what is an important truth that you believe in that very few people agree with you on? Right. And I, and I think it's from Peter Thiel's book, uh, Zero to One. Uh, so I had read about this question, but I'd never prepared for it. I think what the um, interviewer was trying to get was, can you think originally? Do you have views which are very different from how the rest of the world thinks? Right? If you have a specific role in mind, don't hesitate to talk to past candidates who've interviewed for similar companies and functions or to those who have worked in the roles you aspire towards. This will give you a fair idea of the kind of questions you may be asked. Some organizations, for example, will focus on behavioral questions, whereas others, like consulting firms, may give more weight to case-based interviews. But as Mac tells us, there are some fundamentals common to all interviews. There are questions that come up in every job interview. Why do you want this job? Tell me about yourself. You don't want to answer these commonly asked questions for the first time in the interview room. You need to practice ahead of time. This is one of the most important business meetings you'll have during the course of the year. If you were making a presentation on behalf of your employer to 50, 100 people, you wouldn't walk into the room and wing it. It's the same with job interviews. Eklavya and Max share some common mistakes candidates make on the day of the interview. There are always going to be questions that we may not have answers to. And that's fine. You know, I think interviewees tend to put too much pressure on themselves uh, and, and, and become very defensive the moment there is a question that they don't know answers to. The second uh, mistakes that people make is uh, not being authentic. I, I personally believe that your body language, your tone of the voice uh, comes, you know, uh, gives you away if you are not being authentic, right? So... It's better to have, you know, honest, heartfelt answers than overly scripted answers and in very convoluted answers, which you think is the right answer, but is actually not. In building Harappa, I've done more interviews than I can remember. But of course, some bloopers are more memorable than others. Before I get to those, quick tips to avoid my pet peeves. One, don't be a know-it-all by pretending to know answers to every question. Two, don't not ask me questions when I've spent 45 minutes asking you thoughtful questions. It shows disinterest and laziness. Three, be warm and personable, of course, but don't get too personal. 
A year back, a talented, smart management graduate walked into my room for an interview. We had a great chat. She knew her business and was ambitious and interested in us. But at the end of the interview, she gave me what she thought was a great compliment. I reminded her of a female actor, she said. Unfortunately for her, this actor had played the role of Fawad Khan's mother in a popular television series that I love. Little did she know that I was and am Fawad Khan's biggest fan. And being likened to his screen mother was not a compliment I was flattered by. I think it's also important before you leave the room, many candidates fail to do this, is to ask about next steps. This is usually something you can do when the formal interview has come to an end and you've asked your questions and people are getting ready to stand up. Just talk to the hiring manager or the chair of the interview committee and say, well, tell me about your process. What are the next steps? When do you hope to make a decision? Be very specific. Think like a hiring manager, Max says. Empathize with the needs of your employer. Many candidates walk into the interview room and they're excited about the job and what the position can do for them, how it matches their goals, uh, the, the, the salary that it offers, the mission of the organization. And that's wonderful. You should, those are important um, things and you should talk about them briefly in the interview. But if you want to stand out from other candidates, think like the hiring manager because most of your competitors aren't doing this. And how do you think like a hiring manager? Think about what's keeping that manager up at night. What are the problems they need solved? When you do that, you'll distinguish yourself from the other candidates. Here's a great way to do it. I encourage people to ask this question. Near the end of the interview, say to the hiring manager, if I'm fortunate enough to get this job and you and I are sitting down in a year's time, we're doing my annual review. What are the three things you want me to tell you that I've done for you? Now, when you ask that question, I guarantee the manager will pause and she or he will sort of lean back in their chair. And then she'll, she'll start talking about something that isn't in the job description that no other candidate has heard about unless they've asked this question. And you have an opportunity as you listen, and you should listen hard, to talk about how you've dealt with a similar problem, or if you haven't, share your ideas about how to solve that problem. Problem solve with your interviewer. They want you to succeed too. Nobody wants to interview endlessly, so look for ways to build rapport and a partnership with your interviewer. You should know the names of the people you're going to meet with, and check them out on LinkedIn, for biographies online. Look for common connections. Maybe you have common connections uh, via LinkedIn, or maybe you went to the same university or you grew up in the same part of the country. Uh, There's always an opportunity in those first two or three minutes before the interview has formally begun to have some small talk and talk about those connections. And building that rapport can make a huge difference in the outcome of your interview. To build trust with the interviewer requires authenticity on your part because experienced interviewers will spot inauthentic and staged responses from a mile away. The easiest way to be genuine is by not interviewing for jobs that you don't want. Stay true to your goals and your passion and look for employers in line with your values. This may be a grueling research process, but it'll be worth it in the end. 
for starters, you won't end up with a job you hate. And shocker, get one that you might actually really love. So it's very difficult to fudge, you know, passion or say something that is not authentic. And therefore, I would very strongly advise against, you know, scripted answers, which are not true. If you if you have a sense of humor and if you can uh, use it uh, smartly, you know, I'm not saying you should crack a joke or something, but, you know, uh, that always, uh, again, makes the conversation feel more informal and more intimate. Interestingly and not surprisingly, the language you use influences how you are perceived. Your words paint a picture of you. Mac tells us about the kind of words best avoided. The easiest way to do this is to gradually weed them out from your vocabulary. I have to give credit to Tracy Hooper, the author of an excellent book about this. Uh, she's a speaking coach and a former uh, television news anchor and reporter. And she makes the very important point that the language we use can convey strength or can convey uh, uncertainty. And many of us use what are called filler or hedge words, uh, phrases like kinda, justa, sorta, like. When we do this, unconsciously, we're signaling um, uncertainty and hesitancy. And in a job interview, you don't want to do that. You want to show confidence, excitement, enthusiasm. So you need to avoid these hedge words, these filler words. And to wrap things up. Don't forget to send a thank you note. And it doesn't have to be long, but it should be thoughtful. And now, as we promised, here are some bonus tips on how to fine-tune your resume. Well, here are my top three resume hacks. First, talk about your results, not your responsibilities. Employers hire problem solvers. They don't hire position descriptions. Number two, tweak every resume to reflect the needs of that employer. Now, revising your resume isn't a Herculean task. It can typically be done in, in 20, 25 minutes. Some people say to me, what, I've got to revise every resume? Well, I, I can't do that. I'm sending out 10, 15, 20 resumes a week. If you're doing that, you need to rethink your strategy because that spray and pray approach, sending resumes everywhere, it's time consuming and it's ineffective. And in short, it doesn't work. Instead, you need to send out fewer resumes only to the companies where you really want to work uh, and where you can make a difference. My third resume hack is read your resume out loud. That's a foolproof way of catching typos. Um, the ear is a wonderful editor. And you can sometimes look at your resume four or five times and miss a typo. Uh, but if you read it out loud, you'll catch it. With that, we're at the end of our episode. We discuss interview fundamentals that you simply can't miss and the wildly different types of questions you could encounter. We broke down the staff framework to help you frame your answers, went over common interview mistakes and talked about how language influences first impressions. If you listen carefully, you're now ready to ace your next big interview. Here's wishing you all the confidence and luck. And remember, no matter what the outcome, keep your head held high. Practice, preparation, and a fair splinkering of failure make perfect. Habits Matter is a show brought to you by Harappa Education. 
This episode was scripted, produced, and managed by Nitin Shamsuddin and Soumya Bahugana, under the editorial direction of Seema Chaudhary. Shout out to Madhwana, super talented audio engineer, and a brilliant design team for the snazzy creatives. Follow Habits Matt on Instagram at habits.matter and Harappa Education on your favorite social media channels. <laughs>